This is a Suno India production and you are listening to Beyond Chamina. Hyderabad. And Iranians felt 
uh, very comfortable and he is doing business in Hyderabad for a couple of reasons. One, Hyderabad being the Muslim state. Uh, second, uh, a Urdu speaking state. Third, Persian was a second language. And uh, the Nizam was also uh, kind of inviting them here. It was easy for them to do business. So a bunch of them, around 12 of them, came to Hyderabad and they started the, the Grand Hotel in Abbott's Road, which is the oldest surviving restaurant in Hyderabad as of now. Well, there is no history, but then my grandfather used to say that there was another cafe or a restaurant in the old city, which was existing when Grand was open, but that got shut down in the early 15th so, coming to the restaurant and the business, originally when it was started, it was started as a Hyderabadi cuisine restaurant where we used to only have Hyderabadi dishes like Shikampur. Uh, well, biryani was definitely an anchor of the restaurant always. But other than biryani, we had the Kubani Kamita, the Bulgamita, and uh, Pasinda, and all those uh, old Hyderabadi dishes which unfortunately is not being served in uh, any restaurant in Hyderabad anymore. Over a period of time, again, times changed. A lot of immigrants came to Hyderabad. Uh, Hyderabad is not the Hyderabad which used to be 30, 40 years back. And with the IT uh, revolution, a lot of expats from different towns, different cities of Hyderabad, of India actually traveled to Hyderabad and stayed here. A lot of people moved from Andhra and Telangana towns to Hyderabad. That prompted a major revolution in the taste of the food. The taste of the food, the biryani, which used to be a typical Zafrani biryani with pure ghee and saffron, is not there anymore and it's become more spicy. A few places still serve uh, biryani or the food which close to what it used to be, but definitely it's not what it used to be. According to you, uh, what should be biryani exactly? Most handlebars of my generation now are used to eating you know, what we get in hotels. Of course, Chani Vajumilda was already hanging up. But how should biryani be exactly? I have to ask you. Biryani which is being served now is a very, very heavy dish. But according to me, a biryani should be a very light uh, meal, complete meal, with uh, the flavor of the spices, not the spices, the flavor of the spices, the flavor of saffron, the flavor of uh, pure ghee and uh, mutton or lamb. Basically, biryani is a mutton dish, but then over a period of time, a uh, big chunk of cow don't appeal to lamb or biryani anymore. So they have moved to chicken and now we also have veg biryani and egg biryani and fish biryani and the list goes on and on. Well, Shadika Biryani is definitely no different from what we serve. The only difference which I would see is that, uh, unfortunately, I feel sad about it. Some of the restaurants in Hyderabad, they are actually adding uh, tomato ketchup and chili sauces to biryani. I know about a few places, I am not comfortable with naming them. They are actually adding tomato ketchup and chili sauce to biryani just to bring it taste. Or some of the places are adding uh, ajinomoto. These are the ingredients which were never were meant to be in biryani nor should be in biryani. But then over a period of time, people have started 
uh, experimenting on new things and it's yielding the result, results because people are liking that taste. But then that is not biryani or even to talk about the Irani chai. Irani chai was pure milk, tea dust and water and sugar. There were only four ingredients in a pure Irani chai. But then over a period of time people have tried to change and experiment and probably make it more tastier. Some of the restaurants in Hyderabad, very popular restaurants, who are serving big numbers, selling big numbers of tea. But then I wouldn't call it a tea, it's a very delicious drink. Definitely the drink is very delicious, good to drink, but it doesn't satisfy the taste of a typical Iranian chai. So now they are adding uh, condensed milk. So all these changes have come and definitely there is a big uh, percentage of customers who are liking it. So at the end of the day, you know, they are all here to do this business. So at the end of the day, what what sells really matters. I'll, uh, you'll be surprised to know again that uh, in different parts of the town, you will uh, taste different kinds of biryani. In Dilsabhnagar, people have a different taste. In Abbots or Old City, you go towards Charminar, the taste of the biryani is different. If you go towards high density, the taste of the biryani is different. They have different palettes. They like different uh, flavors. You know, what a person from Old City may like may not be highly appreciated in Sikandrabad or high tech city. But sir, uh, one specific question I have, because of high tech city here, or you have a native Hyderabad here and you of course have people from high tech city, are restaurants changing their dishes or taste? Yes, definitely they are doing it. For argument's sake, there are five restaurants in high tech city who are selling biryani. Now, each one of them is focusing on one segment. One is catering to the Agra and Telangana or Telugu or the uh, more South Indian uh, customers who like spicier food. So they are serving that kind of biryani. Whereas some of the North Indians or the Northeasterns, they don't like very spicy food. So some of them are catering. So they have basically, they have a target audience and they are eating only to that kind of crowd. If you even go to a high-tech city, if you try four different kinds of biryani, four of them will taste different. And the crowd which is going there is also different. Over a period of time, they have decided to just... Uh, Target on one particular uh, zone. Coming back to Irani cafe history, in your memory, I'm not even going back as far as uh, your father or grandfather, but uh, in the last 30 35 years, you know, in average, at least, what have you seen in terms of Irani cafe? Irani cafes have gone through a major transaction in the last 30 years, I would say. If you talk about the food business, definitely a few players survived. Most of them actually got shut down. If you're talking typically about habits, I can recall at least uh, 10 outlets shutting down in the past. If somebody from Hyderabad is listening to me, they could easily relate to what I'm talking about. Right from Tangman, there used to be a Mughal Darbar. Once you cross Mughal Darbar in the lane of Thailand, later there used to be a small cafe called Embassy, New Embassy. Then you cross the embassy and then you come to the Bashir Park near the commissioner office, there was another 
Next to lighthouse crater, there was a lighthouse captain. Now coming to Abbott's right next to uh, Surya Theater on Tilak uh, Road, there used to be a rose uh, captain. It was very, very popular. There was a very popular joint called a rose. Then right at the corner of Abbott's uh, police station, next to the Abbott's police station, there used to be a king circle. Then you would go on the station road, there was another place called Tashkan. The names are very surprising that the names that the owners chose are very specifically either modern or completely you know Persian Central Asian, the name of Surat Yeah. Is there any special reason? Well, most of them wanted to keep a very neutral name. Eros is a neutral name. Berries is a neutral name. Embassy is a neutral name. Mughal Darbar talks about the Mughalai dishes they were trying to serve. Tashkent, again, uh, Tashkent is a popular name in uh, Iran because uh, Tashkent used to be part of uh, old Persian Empire. And uh, they still speak Persian as the language. Tashkent and uh, Samarkand, the two cities of Uzbekistan. All these places have been shut down for a couple of reasons. One reason being the that some of the places lost their property before mining and then they could not relocate themselves. And the second reason is the way uh, the real estate prices went up in Hyderabad. Some of them uh, had to surrender the properties to the owners and some of them had to uh, vacate it through court cases or some mutual uh, agreement. The last one both of us remember would be Ramsar Cafe in Hyderabad. Yeah, Ramsar was again one of the historical places of Hyderabad. Well, I think they will survive for almost 20 years. 50 years. 60 months. 60 years, yes. It, it was one of the oldest ones, but again, the same thing happened and uh, they had to let it go. Well, that is happening. One of the very big questions which used to come to me initially around, I have been into this business for quite a while, but when this McDonald and KFC uh, and uh, Coffee Day uh, started in Hyderabad, um, I remember a few of the journalists uh, who uh, visited me used to always ask me, how do you see the effect of this on your business? I always, uh, my prediction was not, it's not going to change, and uh, which, which is true actually. A coffee day was never a threat for the Iranian But the cultural, cultural change has happened. A lot of the youngsters, Iranian cafe used to be a major hangout for youngsters is uh, not today. Uh, Food-wise, McDonald's or KFC or uh, any of the pizza joints hasn't really affected. In fact, uh, I would say in the last 10 years, uh, biryani business has uh, grown up by 300 years. And uh, I, I think that it has a long way. There is also one, one bit about biryani. This is something I have not seen in any other city, how biryani is so central to Hyderabad's lives. In general, no, so the, what I'm trying to say is that, and it is easily available in the smallest of restaurants in any given corner, or grand hotel, or even the, the poorest restaurant you can find. Was it even like this 30 40 years ago? You know, are all the other dishes along with biryani, but biryani has you know become so centralized because as per you see, biryani is the most central thing, everything else comes later. I'm pretty sure even in Grand Hotel, biryani might be probably the fastest 
selling items. Exactly. We have biryani in uh, Lucknow, we have biryani in Calcutta, we have biryani in quite a few other states in India. But what makes the Hyderabadi biryani different from the other biryani places? Number one, uh, it's a very, very complete meal. Uh, once uh, you, you have one biryani, you don't need to order anything else. Second thing is, over a period of time, the biryani recipe has evolved into a dish which can be consumed on daily basis. I have a customer who has been visiting me since last past three years, three years. Every day. And his time is very fixed. He comes at a particular he's an employee of the five-star hotel in Vajara uh, and he lives uh, near Chagasana. And he, ha- he wants to have a double masala and it is packed and kept for him. And he's been coming here for three years. I can eat biryani every day. Uh, I'm not here to advocate my restaurant, but generally I'm saying most of the restaurants have over a period of time using the better quality of oil so that uh, it's a healthier dish. So uh, that makes it a day-to-day basis uh, food. You can have it every day. So, if you would ask me, other than the rice part, which is a high carb diet, rest all biryani is a very, very healthy food. You can have it every day, and I'm sure that uh, you uh, still uh, stay healthy. Another reason why uh, the Hyderabadi biryani business is growing at a very fast pace is the price quoted uh, it's, it's a very reasonably priced uh, dish, and I would say. If you really want to make the same dish at home, it will cost you much more than what it would cost you if you would uh, buy it from any uh, biryani joint. The meat itself is expensive. No, no. The, the thing is, they, they, they are do they are doing high volume business, and the, the profit uh, percentage is very very margin is very very small, very small uh, profit margin, and it's you want to make the same biryani at home. Suppose the jumbo pack which is good for six people. Urban Indian society is moving towards uh, eat out a lot compared to what it was a few years back. And uh, uh, thanks to Swiggy and Zomato and uh, Uber Eats, which has uh, made things much more convenient for people. So it gives them no reason to, cook, to go through the stress of cooking at home. You have a variety of dishes available at your doorstep at a very reasonable price, much lesser than what it would cost you to make it. The meat sandwich, yeah, as you mentioned, it also reminded me of something we talked about earlier. How the milk available going to an Iranian cafe would be seen as a middle thing for a very long time. Especially, I'm talking about 60s, 70s, 80s, time frame. So, what was that mindset? And you know, how did that shift? And how it become a student-centric place later. I, I remember mentioning that to you, but I am talking about the time when we started this restaurant. 1935. Uh, eating out was something new to the Hyderabadi society. There was nothing called food being purchased or eaten out. Food had to be cooked at home. So it was a new thing happening to the Hyderabadi society. That somebody is commercially cooking food and selling it. Uh, that was the time when the Nizam was ruling the city and the Nawabi culture was very, very prominent. And for a Nawab, 
to go out and eat food or buy food, which which would mean that food is not being cooked in the house, which was definitely a very very big stigma for him and his family. Until uh, early 80s, we used to have small little wooden uh, cabins on my ground floor, where people used to come there and they didn't want to be seen to common people, so they used to hide in there. And they, it was a single table, uh, small cubicle where they would come and have their food and go because they didn't want to be seen. So outside food was a no-no, but over a period of time, well, the society changed, and I think the the migration actually uh, diluted the culture to quite an extent. If you really look at it today, how many, what percentage of uh, I should ask you this question. According to you, what percentage of Hyderabad population is actually Hyderabad? Well, I, I think if we uh, take in the factor in high density also, we make 60 to 60 percent diversity. Because I'm sure that high density itself on the outskirts has a very large population. I might be wrong. But as far as I remember, until some years ago, the GHMC data was uh, some 70 lakhs, if I'm not wrong. On this may say high density includes Exactly. Even I feel the same way. I think uh, not even if, if that's an exaggerated number. If I'm talking that 40% of the entire uh, city, uh, population of greater Hyderabad, I don't think even 40% are real Hyderabad. Okay. They may have a history of 30 years, 40 years, 45 years, 50 years, but not more than 50 years. Maximum of you. If you are just stretching it, probably it is 50 years. But if you see beyond 50 years, I think not even 40 percent have the history of being a Hyderabadi. Uh, but uh, that would be true because a lot of people also migrated from the Andhra areas. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We, you see, uh, high tech city and the youngsters who have moved for jobs here, that they constitute a small percentage according to me. The bigger percentage, if you see towards the higher and Dilsoknagar area, they are not the student community or the young uh, IT community. They are the people who have moved here for business, for jobs. Or if you uh, see the Mitchell roadside, the Sujitra and the Boeingpalli side, again, those are huge population pockets where you you will probably there are 2% Hyderabadis there. When the population is going through the 40% are Hyderabadi, definitely the culture is almost gone. The only reason why you can still see some Hyderabadi culture in old city is because these immigrants never felt appealing or found any reason to go and settle down in the old city. Probably lack of space. So you will hardly find even the Hindus living in the old city area, they are all hardcore old Hyderabadi. Culturally and by all means they are Hyderabadi. I'll tell you when I mean when I'm saying hardcore, it would mean that a Hyderabadi who has kitli, khatta, and kima for breakfast, okay, who wakes up at 10 30, 11 in the morning and likes to hang out till 2 in the uh, night, probably sitting on the chabutra or that small little space outside the house hanging out with their friends. So, is this something you have done? Uh, right? I have done, yes, I have done, I still like to do it. I still do it. Sometimes I just uh, like to just stand on a 
pay reward payment and just talk to friends uh, for I outside land or people I have seen after having dinner after having chai then they will go and meet outside and talk. Well, there are so many joints in Hyderabad. There are so many. Yes. Most of the Iran Iranian joints used to be. Well, uh, I have to mention that they, they used to be the biggest spot where people used to discuss politics, people used to discuss sports, people used to discuss cultures. So much used to happen in a politics was definitely a quarter. It had gone to a stage where I remember when I was a kid, there was a signboard put uh, in my restaurant saying that kindly do not discuss, it was Urdu, kindly do not discuss politics and religion in this premises. At any given point, uh, that was and is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. But then Hyderabad is a beautiful city. I consider myself as a Hyderabad because I'm I was born and I was raised in Hyderabad, though my parents migrated from Iran. So, uh, and uh, well, you talk about welcoming. Hyderabad has one of the most, I would say, the most secular culture in this entire country. As far as my understanding and my traveling experience across the country goes, it's the most secular country. People are very welcoming, very warm, uh, very hospitable. There's a lot to speak about. And uh, coming to your land cover, can you tell us a little bit more about you know, maybe what was the reason to come from Iran? For the Iranians who came to Hyderabad, the first English migration, so what was, would you be maybe able to tell us what was life for them when they came to So I'm sure that was not easy at all. Well, I, it should be very easy for you to imagine because you see a few years back, we used to see a lot of Indians. And a lot of Hyderabadis who moving to the Gulf. Mm-hmm. They used to leave their family behind and go and work there and probably come to uh, visit their family once a year or twice a year, festival time or something. And uh, typically they used to go there uh, and uh, leave the family behind for the reason that it would uh, give them more uh, savings uh, for them. Taking the family to and keeping them there would cost them more. It was a similar kind of situation at that time. When Iranians initially came, I already mentioned uh, when I started, that the reason why they moved to Hyderabad, the Nizam of Hyderabad, the Persian language influence, and the Urdu influence, and all those things. But then, when they came here, they all came as backwards, initially when they came. And uh, one more very significant thing about the Iranians of this uh, side of the world. Uh, when I'm saying this side of the world, I mean I, we have uh, Iranian cafes in Karachi even today. So when I'm, I mean this side of the world, I mean Karachi or in Pakistan, then Bombay, then Pune, and Hyderabad. I would say pretty dominantly 95 plus percent of the people who are settled in this part are all coming from one single state or province of Iran called Yasin. They are all from Yasin, all of them. And my grandfather was also a Yasin. And usually it would happen like that. Once one person of one particular state would go and settle down, the people used to follow. You'll see the same thing even today. If you go to Italy, you'll find majority of the people from Bangladesh working. Or you will go to France, you will find a lot of uh, Punjabi. 
or you go to Canada, you will find majority of the people are from Punjab. So it always like this will be like, like you see once one of them goes and settles, there is a support mechanism that as a stranger you are going to a new place, you have somebody to look upon on for support, to for, for help, for somebody to you know uh, receive you. It definitely makes a lot of difference. The foreigner cannot just go directly to a new town and just try to settle. You need a reason to move to the great town. Well, so Hyderabad also has had the same thing. There were already a few people who uh, Iranians who were here, and my grandfather knew them. So that's how what it made him uh, come here. The last part, uh, actually, what I wanted to ask about the dishes. So some of them, are, which I remember as a child, after milk and everything. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how. Whether Iran cats actually were forced to change or remove or add dishes, I mean, not about the main dishes, I'm talking about the chai and biscuits, or have they largely remained unchanged? Also, the menu that come are very really similar to, apart, I know for a fact that Iranians have black tea, but apart from that, the other bakery items are really, is it similar to what you get in Iran or the other specifically? No. no. You won't find this chai in Iran. You won't find Usmania biscuit in Iran. Oh. Uh, you won't find Thai biscuit and fine biscuit in it. These were the, these are, I think, uh, basically, these are all uh, English uh, countries. Yes. They all started from, they are somewhere or the other, the roots are British. But then, since the Iranians were doing this business, it was identified in India as an Iranian mm -hmm. cafe uh, cookie or an Iranian cafe chai. But oh. otherwise, it has no basis to. So the menu I'm asking specifically has it largely food menu definitely has changed. Uh, uh, well, uh, for me it would be easier to explain about uh, this uh, Grand Hotel itself because Grand Hotel we, we used to have a dish called roast mutton, which was a typical Hyderabadi curry, or we had nallika salam, or we had shikampur, we had pasinda as part of our uh, menu. But then uh, we had a kind of fire which was very, very popular, very popular. But then unfortunately, after the poverty or the chef of those times, they are no more there. And the guys who took over after them, slowly and gradually, they diluted the taste of it and significance of it. The, the flavor is missing, the taste is missing. So we had we had definitely hijacked uh, the Chinese uh, we are choosing and our Chinese dishes, Indian Chinese dishes are part of the menu of every menu. And I won't be surprised if we get, uh, over a period of time we get into Italian also. I'm sure somebody will try and if it clicks, it will click. It's all about somebody who is doing it as well. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Beyond Carpenter. You know, as and when, a new episode is released. Do subscribe to our newsletter on the website sunoindia.in, and you can also follow us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or any other podcast apps.